Hey y'all, how y'all doing? Alright, so I'm really excited about this verse, but I'm also really nervous because I think it's such a powerful verse. Um, and because of that, because of the importance of it, it makes me very nervous because I don't want to mess it up. But the Lord is faithful, so let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to, to present your word, and I ask that anything that I say that's not of you would just bounce off their hearts, Lord, but anything that I say that's from you, please be a, a seed that's planted deep in their hearts. In Christ's name pray, amen. All right. You know, I, I didn't know that we were going to be uh, singing How He Loves, and I was super excited about that because that's, that's what I'm going to be talking about, how he loves us. There's a verse that I was reading while we were singing, which is not the verse I'm preaching on, but I like it anyway. It says, well, a page turn. Basically, it says, um, oh, no, not it. I am convinced that neither height nor death, life nor death, uh, angels nor demons, nor things that are present nor things that are to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So... I want to read the whole verse real quick, and then I'm going to kind of break it down. Um, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his son, only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I counted the word love in that 13 times, so I guess it's kind of important. Um, love is talked about a whole lot in the New Testament. In throughout Bible, really, but just the New Testament um, specifically, and you kind of see it's it's a super important thing to God. Uh, I kind of call it like the currency of God. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense to y'all, but you know, you, you have money and you exchange things for it, and God, you know, exchanged our sins uh, for Him through His love. Um, all right, so the first part it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So it's commanding us to love one another. Jesus said that the world would know us through the love that we have. Uh, you know, our service projects are awesome, but that's not how the world will know us, you know, unless we're doing it through love. Um, us being super awesome Christian holy people is cool. We're called to do that. But the world will know us through our love. That's that's the important part. Um, and so I want to take a second before I really get into the verse to address what love is. I feel like in the world there's a lot of confusion 
as to what love is. I, I did some Google searches on it just to see what the world was saying, and even they don't agree. And trust me, what the world says is love and what God says is love are completely different things. So the first thing I saw was the dictionary definition in Webster's. It says a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection is for a parent, child, or friend. I think we're going to see in a little bit that love is a lot more than a feeling. Uh, I watched a documentary on it the other day, and it was all these scientists saying it's this chemical reaction in our brain that causes this feeling that evolved from you know having to survive in the wild, and I think that's pretty goofy too. Uh, and then I saw an article where I had a bunch of children defining love. I was like, well, children are smart. Uh, and it said, when my grandmother got arthritis, and by the way, this is from an eight-year-old. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands get arthritis too. That's love. I thought that was really cool because that eight-year-old had a better grasp of what love is than the scientist and the Webster's Dictionary. Because what love really is, is it's self-sacrificing. And I'm going to kind of show you where I get that from. Uh, the Greek words, there, there's four Greek words for love in uh, the Bible. And the, the, the three kind of important ones I want to focus on are philia, and that's the way you'd love a friend. Like, bro, I haven't seen you in a while. I love you. That's the cool love. It's not the love it's talking about here. There's eros, which is the love that your mom would have for your dad. Um, and that's cool love, too. God gave us that love, but it's not this love. Then there's agape love, which is an unconditional love. And that's the love that God's talking about here. Uh, you know, w what do you mean by unconditional? It means there's no, you know, the, you, you don't have to go, well, you know, I'll love you if, if you feed me or, you know, you're nice to me. It's you love someone just for the sake of loving them. And the best example I can think of that is a parent to a baby. You know, think about a newborn baby. How many of y'all have little baby brothers or sisters or have had them in the past? Quite a bit. So when they're first born, like, how much do they do for you or your parents? Not a lot. You know, when I think about the things that a baby does, you have to change your diapers. They cry all the time, and all they want to do is be fed. They do nothing for your parents at all, other than being cute. I mean, they're not even cute all the time. Don't, don't kill me for that one. Um, but your parents love them unconditionally. And that's the love that God has for us. You know, when I think about our relationship to God, I think a lot of times we're like a little baby. We're a big headache. You know, God's done all these things for us, and we're just whining about this and that. And, you know, God, my life's terrible. You know, and he's like, I died for you. But he continues to love us. And he's given us an example of how to love. Um, you know, well, before I go on, I guess I, I have a story about me and my mom that kind of demonstrates that as well. 
uh, when I was a kid, me and my mom used to have this conversation pretty constantly, and I didn't always realize why she set up this conversation until, you know, I got older. She'd go, I love you, and I'd go, I love you too. And then she'd go, well, why do you love me? And I'd go, well, you know, you take me to McDonald's a lot, so that's pretty cool. You buy my toys for my birthday and Christmas, that's pretty neat. And I'll, I'll name off all these things, why I love her. And then I'd go, why do you love me? She goes, I just do. I'm like, no, what? What's the reason? She's like, there's a lot of great things about you, but those aren't the reasons why I love you. I love you solely because I love you and you're my son. Uh, and that is the love that we need to have for people. You know, we don't need to be going, oh, I love so-and-so because they're nice or... They make me feel good because those are conditions. And really, when you're loving someone for a condition, it's for what they're doing for you. And that's a selfish love. A real love that we're called to is selfless. It's, I love them, so what can I do for them? Not what they, can they do for me. So, next part, starting in verse 9. Um, in this... The love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we, uh, we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his only son to be the propitiation for our sins. So saying there, hey, if you want to see what love really is, what true agape love that's unconditional and self-sacrificing is, look at the life of Jesus and what he did. So when I think about that, he was on the highest, you know, he was on the throne in heaven, sitting in the right hand of God, like best place you could imagine. And he humbled himself so much that he came into a human body, and not even like a king or someone rich or royal, into a carpenter's son, and lived on this earth among us. And then died for us. That's love. He said that greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what he did for us. Um, and when I think about living out the example of laying down your life for your friends, I don't think it's always a physical death, which it, it, it really can be. You know, I think about maybe a soldier who jumps on a grenade to protect his platoon. But then also... Every day when you get up and you go to school or you go to church or you're with your family, you dine to yourself and you dine to your will saying, hey, you know, there's, there's one more donut. I'd really like that. But I love my brother, so I'm going to let him have it, even though that's painful for me. And, you know, whatever that may be. I don't know what that looks like for you. Whatever, you know, hurts. It's like, ah, oh, I really want that. But I'm going to love this person. And let them have it. Or this person doesn't like me doing something, even though I like to do it. So I won't do it to honor them and love them. That's dying to yourself daily. And it's tough. So, that's, and you know, Christ did that every single day. I, I can just imagine, you know, if you're super smart and he heavenly and perfect, it, it must have been hard to live among such terrible people. Because really, I mean, 
we're all pretty terrible compared to God, but he loved us so much. He was like, no, y'all my kiddos. So another thing I see in that verse is that it said not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He came after us. You know, there was never a group of people going, oh, my gosh. You know, we're really bad people. We need a Savior. You know, God, could you send down a Savior? He came for us. And when I think about the application for that, it's it's loving people that aren't easy to love. You know, don't just be loving your family and your friends and your schoolmates. Schoolmates can be hard to love, too. Uh, God has called us to love everyone because that's how they'll know that we have Jesus in us. So love those who are hard to love. I have a saying. It's not from the Bible, so don't quote me on it. But it's the harder a person is to love, the the harder you love them because that person probably needs a lot of love if they're difficult to love. So says the word propitiation. Anybody know what that means? That's not an adult. Awesome. So I, I get to teach y'all. That's exciting. That's what I'm up here for. Um, propitiation basically means like a payment. Jesus took the place. We were sinners separated from God. God's a holy God, and he demands perfection. But we were sinners separated from him, and somebody had to go pay that. So Jesus, being perfect, came to earth, loving us, and he took the punishment for us. He took it away. He paid the debt to God. You know, I think a lot of times uh, people I've met, even me earlier in my life, thought the way it works is, oh, God forgives us, and it's all good and dandy. Like, and he does, but it's not just, oh, yeah, I'll forget about that. No big deal. It's, no, I will forgive you, but that payment still has to be made. So Christ came and made that payment. It's it it wasn't cheap. It you know, and I think in your lives, when you think about you know how you're trying to live your life, you don't need to be like, oh, I can do this. I know it's bad, but Christ forgave me. Remember the price that was paid for that sin, and that in turn should cause you to love God and in turn obey Him. Jesus said, "If you love me, you'll obey me." So. Um, one thing that I kind of thought about as we were singing about the love of God is uh, a book of the Bible. And I couldn't find it in time, so maybe one of y'all knows what I'm talking about. But there's a prophet in the Old Testament, and God said to him, I want you to marry this woman. And this woman, do you know it? Thank you. Awesome. I'm going to give you a high five after this. Um, and so God was like, hey, I want you to marry this woman who's unfaithful. You know, she won't, she won't stay faithful to you. She'll keep cheating on you. But I want you to stay with her. And so he did. And what that was, it was a lesson from God. That that's, like the, that's what we are like in a lot of ways. Because God compares us to his bride. And that's kind of an odd, you know, comparison. I think especially for guys like, I'm not a bride. I'm a dude. But it's just that he came after us just as a guy pursues a girl and loves us. And so as this wife was unfaithful to Hosea 
And Hosea kept loving her, though. That's the way we are. And you think, you know, how are we unfaithful to God? Anytime that you ever put anything above God, that's you putting some, you know, that's that's you being unfaithful. You know, I I could go to church or I could go serve this, you know, reading my Bible or whatever. But I think staying home and watching the Dallas Cowboys is a lot cooler. Not that the Cowboys are bad, but God's better, obviously. Um, you know, or you know, I know God's called me to live this way, but I really like doing this certain thing. So even though I know it's wrong, I'm going to do it. That's being unfaithful. But God, even though knowing that you're unfaithful, came and died for you and loves you. So, then the kind of the last part of the verse um, goes back and starts telling us to love one another again. It's kind of cool, I think, the way the verse is structured. The first part is basically saying, hey, love one another. And then the middle part says... And this is an example of love. And the third part goes, that was your example. So do it. Uh, So it says, If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So basically it's just telling us, to follow the example of Christ, which is tough to do. You know, if if I could put this sermon in a nutshell, something for y'all to remember, because I know sometimes I can be rambling and I don't always make sense and my thoughts don't connect. Uh, I want to put it in a nutshell. So when you go home, you can say, hey, Mom, this is what I learned in like a few sentences. And what that is is, there's two types of love. There's a worldly love, which is self-serving. It's like, I love this because it does something for me. It makes me feel good. It serves me. It's a, you know, there's a reason. And it's a feeling. And it's, it's conditional. You know, I might love you today. I might not love you tomorrow. But God's love is radically different. He's saying... You do nothing for me. You, you, you provide no purpose. You know, life could maybe even be easier without loving you. But I'm going to choose to love you. It's an action. You see, love in the world, I think, is it's a feeling. So it's it, it's like a it's an adjective. Yeah, I feel love for this. You know, but God's love is a verb. You do it. You choose to do it. You know, God calls you to love your neighbor. Sometimes your neighbor is really annoying. You know, that, that kid in class that nobody likes, doesn't don't want to sit at lunch with? God's called you to love them. Go sit with them at lunch tab- at the lunch table. I think that's the coolest thing that y'all can do in, in, in your lives, to show love and practice it, is to go sit at the lunch table with a kid who nobody sits with them. Talk to them. Love them. It's, it's a perfect way for you to practice that. So God's love is unconditional. There's no... You have to be this, this, and this. You have to be this good. No, he just loves you. And it's self-sacrificing. What can I do to serve you? You know, that's true love. Um, you know, I guess just my biggest reminder for you 
in that is they will know you by your love. The world will know you. We're called to make disciples, to go out and tell people about Jesus. And you can do all these cool things and preach, but unless you really have love, they don't care. That's not going to reach them. It's God's love that's going to reach them. And I want you all to remember this, too. If you try to love them within yourself, just conjuring up your own love, it's probably not going to work. We're called to love with God's love. It says right there, God is love, and love comes from God. You know, God's love for us, we should understand how much he loves us, and that can overflow out of our lives to love another person. Man, God really loves me. And you know what? Because I know he loves me and he died for me, he loves this person so much too. And so I'm going to love this person. It's, it's overflowing out of our own lives into other people's. So, um, I hope I made sense, and y'all's leaders have some questions to kind of talk about, and I hope y'all can go love people, so, awesome.